All right. Again, I wish I could see you, but I can't. And uh, so I'm just going to imagine you're out here in the audience uh, where I can see you. I look forward to the day when we can get back together again. And um, we'll see how things go. This whole virus and all that's happened in our uh, culture and society has been uh, quite the challenge and something I don't think anybody uh, really saw at all. So my name's Kent. If I didn't say that, I'm one of the elders here. And um, it's a privilege for me to share this morning. Ryan has been in Colorado and enjoying some cooler weather, much cooler than the 150 degrees that's outside right now. Uh, But thank God we're living and breathing and uh, we have a place um, to worship him and to to be fed and be taught from the word. So I'm excited to teach from the word this morning. He's been going through a series in Amos and I asked him if he wanted me to continue that. And um, so he said he would, uh, I could preach on anything. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, this has been more, it was a, uh, I've been through so many things about what this morning I could preach, but I uh, finally landed, and after praying and praying over this, landed on this passage in Hebrews, because it's really a, a story of, for me, my own life the last few months, of just looking back at my own life, of where I've been, what, what I've been through emotionally, what I've been through from a spiritual standpoint, and maybe possibly this morning you might find yourself and identify with what uh, my struggle the last few months as well. And so I landed on Hebrews chapter 12. And really, we're going to look at a lot of scripture. So if you have your Bible this morning, I hope you do. Maybe it's on your phone. Don't be scrolling, going through a bunch of other things. But let's keep it on that Bible app. And what my wife likes to do, it annoys our kids so much, but it's such a good practice. When we started doing this back in March... Uh, she made them get all a piece of paper and a pen, and they had to take notes. And so I'm going to encourage you to do the same thing, because I'm going to go through scriptures this morning that are going to be too quick for you to really flip to. And I, I don't even want you to be distracted with that, with you trying to find different passages, but write them down and maybe go back later. And it may spur some thoughts in your own mind about God and how he works and who he is and um, some attributes about him um, this morning. So let's do that and and just try and focus as much as you can. I know it's difficult by video, but again, I believe this is a message that um, God may speak to your heart. So I do not like cold weather. Can't stand it. Some of y'all know that about me. I don't like cold weather. And so I like, even if it's 150 like it'll be today, um, I prefer that over it being 20 degrees, and we also as a family like to go to a beach. And so every year we typically go to some beach somewhere, and a few years ago, it was three years ago this summer, uh, we went to a beach, and we don't normally spend a ton of money on like excursions. We, like, we don't go out to eat because it's expensive. Like if I go to Raising Cane's even now with my family, it's like 40 bucks. I'm like, man, that is expensive. I can't do that. We'll divide like a number two and then split up among the whole family. Everybody's still hungry at the end of it. I'm like, well, that's just the way it goes. That's the rest of the world. So just get used to it, son. Um, So when we're on vacation, I do splurge a little bit, but not completely. We still do a few things, but we really try and eat in the room where we are and not go out too much. But on occasion, we'll do some excursions. So on this particular trip, I decided, Tammy and I decided that we would... um, we do this, go on this catamaran and go snorkeling. And I thought it was a great idea for us to go snorkeling. Uh, the only problem with snorkeling, you know this probably if you've ever done this, is when you put that mask on and you got that tube 
going up and you're supposed to be breathing out of that and then a wave comes over and that salt water fills your lungs and you feel like you swallowed acid um, and you feel like your, your whole body is on fire. Uh, that part I can do without, but I brave the, that danger to be able to see the, the uh, sea life that you get to see when you snorkel. And so we go out on this huge catamaran. There's like 50, 100 people there is what I remember. And uh, they take us, they say, we're going to go to three different spots. First spot's going to be inside of a big cove, and there won't be any wind there. And you'll be able to see way down and see all these fish that you've never seen before. And so sure enough, they took us out there, and we get off the boat, got all that situated, got the flippers or fins, I don't know what you call them, but got all those on. And we're on the water, three kids in the water, me and Tammy, along with a hundred other human beings, and um, we're all swimming around looking at these fish, and they're coming up, hitting us. It's really, really neat. And so we did that for like 30 minutes, and then they said, get back on the boat. We get back on the boat. We go to another space, another place in the ocean, and um, uh, it wasn't as good as the first. And then they said, well, just wait, because the third spot's going to be amazing. So we go to the we finally get back on the boat and we go to the third location and tell us, hey, it's a little bit windy. It's like noon. So the wind's really blowing like, I don't know, I don't know, 80 miles an hour. No, it wasn't 80. It was like 20 miles an hour or something like that. But the waves, I mean, it was really, really choppy. And we're up close to the, the shore, maybe 200 yards from the shore. And they say, this is the place where you're going to see um, a lot of sea turtles. Like you Look for sea turtles when you go out there. But don't go too long because... You know, it's getting late, and you guys are tired, and so don't go too far off. So I think, okay, no big deal. We know this is routine. I've already done this twice. No big deal. I know what I'm doing. So we all jump in, and we start looking around as a family, and then we start getting kind of away from each other. And I find next to me is my daughter, Brenly, and she was, I think, six at the time. And she, um, she and I think we spot a turtle, and then I look up, and there's a guy kind of off in the distance, and he says, hey, they're over here. And so we start going that direction, and we, we keep going for a ways. And the wind, by the way, again, is blowing really hard. Like, it's, it's blowing. And um, after about 20, 30 minutes, we've seen a turtle or two, but from a distance. And remember that the catamaran, not, they dropped us off like two or 300 yards away from the shore. And I look up, and... Um, the shore is like right there, like really, really close to us. I mean, really close. And I flip around and look for the catamaran, and in the midst of all the waves, I can see it. It's about a country mile from us. It's so far away, and the wind is blowing so hard at us. And I'm at that point, I'm done. Like, I am done. I want to get back on the boat. Yet the boat is so far away, I can't even imagine we have drifted so far away from it. And at that moment, I didn't show it to Brindley at all, but I will be completely transparent. I, that's one of those moments in my life that I kind of sort of, I panicked. Like in my head and in my brain and in my mind, I thought, there is no way we're going to get back to that boat. And I panicked and adrenaline shooting through me, but I just smiled at Brindley and said, let's go, honey, let's go. And so we start paddling, 
And, you know, with our fin flippers, I don't know what you call them, whatever, those things you put on your feet, they give me a cramp every time I wear them. And so we are heading back to the catamaran, still looking at all the sea life, and I am worried sick. Are we going to make it because it's too far? The wind's pushing against us. Huge waves coming over us. I'm not exaggerating this at all. Like, I'm legitimately, like, it was rough getting back. And I'm praying at that moment, oh, God, please don't make them send somebody out to come get us. I should have just gone to the shore. It would have been easier, and we could just get an Uber back to wherever we were. Uh, it seemed easier than doing this. So we're going back, and I, you know, you got your head down because you're snorkeling. You can't put your head up the whole time. It hurts. But I would look up from time to time, and my head would see that we are headed over here. The boat's over there. And so I'd be like, i got to correct the course here. We're drifting this way now. And get us going back to the boat. Head down for a minute. And I look up, and we're either going that way or this way. The boat's over there. One time, literally, I looked, and we're going this way. And the boat is that way. Long story short, I could really drag this out really long, because it is an interesting story, I know. But we finally did make it back to the boat. But, man, what an experience that I had that day. Because I thought, in that moment, when I turned around and saw the boat that was uh, near Tokyo at that point... I thought, um, there is no way we're going to be able to make it back there. We had drifted so, so far, and I had lost focus of the fact that they had told me, don't go far, we're not going to be here long. And we were the last ones, but I remember we were the last ones getting back on that catamaran. I don't think they realized all that we had been through, how far we had drifted off course, but my goodness, we were so, so far. Thank God we made it back. And it made me think, as I thought about that story, I don't know why I thought about it this week. I was talking about it with a friend, and um, isn't that just like our walk with Jesus? You think about when you came to know Christ and the excitement that was there, and you wanted to know Him, you wanted to follow Him. I, I remember sitting in, in church as a, as a student, I'd come to know Christ as a young boy, but and I was sitting in church, and in, in a, um, my pastor was preaching on we're salt and light to the world. I vividly remember this, and becoming so excited about the word, and just I want to know Christ. And I wish all my life I could say that I had remained in that that moment of excitement about Him, but because life does what it does, and we become so easily distracted by the things of our flesh, our selfishness, the things of the world that I, I wish I, I could say I didn't drift, but I drifted away from Christ so many times. And I found this to be true. It's from an old hymn, but it's prone to wonder. I am prone to wonder. I am, I am absolutely, that is who I am, that I am prone to wonder no matter what. And over the last three or four months, as we've gone through something that for us in our lifetime, all of us in our lifetime, we've never had this happen. It's unprecedented with the amount of um, turmoil and the, the uh, pandemic with this virus back in March when it happened. Who knew in that moment? I remember I did the welcome. I was the welcome before. It was the last Sunday I did the welcome. And then we went from there to we're meeting online. And who ever imagined that we would be in the middle of this still here in July, and yet, man, there is just no end in sight to this thing until whatever happens, until God intervenes. 
And so I have been personally just, as we look back, as I look back over the last several months in March, April, May, June, July, I don't know what to believe with the, the stories in the news. Ryan mentioned a few weeks ago that he's not really into the news, and I'm exact opposite. So I've always, up until this point, I am, I am in the know about everything. Somebody could ask me and say, hey, did you hear about what happened in Angola today? I'd be, yeah, I saw that. Sure did. Didn't matter where it is in the world. I'm going to know about it because I'm looking at it online, on my phone. I'm watching that. I record the news. Is that crazy? Yeah, no, it's, I need help. But I record the news even. I, I've been so always about that. And yet now, after watching the news, and all, I can't even, I don't even know what to believe. And I'm beaten down by the bias and the people fighting back and forth. You go online and you see, if you, if you want to fight, just go on Facebook and just look for one. It won't take you about a minute to find a fight. And somebody arguing about a mask or no mask, or you're not taking this seriously enough, or you're taking it too seriously, anything to fight over, racism, all the things that have happened in the last month with the with the uh, all the things that have happened. You guys know everything that's happened with the, the issue of racism and Black Lives Matter and the organization and caring about other people of other, other ethnicities. It doesn't matter what you say you're going to be. It seems like judge for what you say. And so you've got to be careful. Do you say anything at all? And so it's constantly something that is just, it's been an absolute beating. And it's, it's just something that for me has been almost to a point disappointing, depressing, and I would say even maybe you're like me at times, I felt like all of this just being beaten down, it has caused me, like I did that day on the boat, to lose sight of the reason, the reason we exist, the reason why you're on the planet. Why am I here, God? And it's to know you and to make you known around the world. Could it be that maybe today you look back at your life the last four months and maybe you've lost focus, that maybe you found yourself drifting away, that you can't remember the last time you picked up the word and really said, God, feed me from your word. God, teach me, show me something from your word. Remind me of your presence. Remind me that you're in this. God, that you haven't left me. I know if you're potentially like me in life, there are just seasons of life for me that that are just up and down, that sometimes my walk with Christ is just so strong and I feel so close to him. And then there are other times in my life where it's just, it's just dry, it's barren, it feels like a wilderness and I can't really get any traction in my walk and there's just no desire at all. And so when I see the writer in Hebrews, when he says what he says there, that to fix your eyes on Jesus, I'm like, man, there are days that I just long to want to do that. And some days... I just don't. I just don't, unfortunately. And so could it be that maybe you're like me in that? And that this way of life that we've been used to now for a few months has just caused you potentially to drift away from him. Not that he's moved, but that we've just moved away from him. And it happens when we least expect it. It's not that we ever intended to drift away from him. It's kind of like me on that and Brindley on that boat. We never intended to get that far away. It just happened. The current took us. And what happens in our lives is our own flesh, our selfishness causes us to pull away. There's nothing in us that wants to be like him. There's nothing in us that wants to be like Christ. It's everything pushes against him in our flesh. It's like Paul said, what I want to do, I don't do. And what I, what I do, I don't want to do. 
I hope I said that correctly. You know what I'm saying. But everything within us doesn't want to be like him or, or be with him. It's to push against him in our sinful nature, as Ephesians 2 talks about. We were children of wrath, that nothing within us would want him. And in our flesh, there's nothing within us that want to, to be like him. And so to drift away from him, it's very natural and very normal. So this morning, though, if you look at Hebrews chapter 12, you look and it says the very first word there in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, therefore, and every time you see, you've heard this before, every time you see therefore, scripture, you're saying, why is it there? What's it there for? If you look at chapter 11, it's one of my favorite books, uh, chapters in the Bible, because it talks about all the heroes of the faith. It's called the, uh, the Hall of Faith. So the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Faith, and it starts out with Abraham. It goes through all these guys in the Bible that you know of and you've heard of. And in the end, it's talking about people who've given their life because of their great faith in, in God. And so I love that. And then he says, therefore, after you've heard about all these people who've given their lives to him and given their lives for their faith, he says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, that's not spectators. You don't understand that. Witnesses is not the word, does not mean spectators. They were active participants who laid down their life for their, for their faith. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. By the way, the theme of this whole chapter, chapter 12, is endurance. Perseverance to keep going, just keep going, keep going. So he says, and let us run with perseverance a race marked out for us. And this part right here this morning, I hope this will stick with you. That even no matter where you are, where you find yourself, if your kids are driving you crazy, if you're tired of being quarantined, you can't go do things you wanted to do, you can't even go to church, that you would do this one thing right now and may this stick in your head from this writer of Hebrews. It says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter, the pioneer. Some versions, I chose the NIV today because of the way he says fixing our eyes on Jesus. The NIV puts it as the pioneer and perfecter. Other versions would say the, the founder, uh, the author, He's the one who came up with this faith. He's the one who designed all of it. And then it says the perfecter. I looked it up. I'm like, what does that really mean? It means just to make it perfect. And because of Jesus, he puts it all, a huge, massive, big bow on all of, the, all of life, all of the, the, the word of God. It's like our faith is complete and the way it is and perfect because of Jesus. That's the, he makes it perfect. He's the, he's the finisher. He's the, the completion of our faith. He's the whole reason for it. So it says, fix our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer, perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down in the right hand of the throne of God. I preached not too, too long ago on this. The right hand, you know what it signifies? You remember this? The right hand always signifies absolute authority and power. There is no one else who can come above him. And Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father, it says right there. So fix your eyes on Jesus. And that made me, when I read that this week, I was thinking about this, when my eyes are fixed, and I remember a time in my life 
when Tammy and I were married and I'm standing at the altar and I look back, the doors are shut and then all the bridesmaids have come down and then there she comes opening the door and my view is blocked and I'm trying to find a place to where I can fix my eyes on her face coming right back there. And finally, my eyes were fixed. I don't even know at that moment. I, it didn't matter who was in the room. I saw my bride coming down and my eyes were fixed on her. She came down right here before me. And that's what this picture of fixing her eyes on Jesus is like. I mean, I, I don't want to have any other distractions. I want to fix my eyes on. He's the founder. He's the author. He's the, he's the one that completes this whole thing. He's the reason for my faith. He's the reason I exist. He's the reason I live right now. It's because of, the, uh, of this, this one who gave his very life for me. It's Jesus. He's the reason we exist. Yet when we look around our society, people who would call themselves followers of Christ, they're followers of Christ. They're Christian in name only, and their lives look no different than anybody else. Yeah, the Jesus that some of us, maybe most of us would say we know, man, he has changed our life. And our eyes at one point, maybe they were fixed on him. But could it be because of all the things that have happened in the last few months? Could it be because we're so worn down that our eyes have not remained fixed on him, but our eyes have been fixed on the things of the flesh, things of this world, and we've been distracted, distracted, and distracted. No longer do our eyes fixed on Jesus Slowly, before we even realize that our eyes are fixed on the things of this world, the things of this, the things that all that things that have gone wrong, worry about what's next, being uncertain about what's the future. Some of us have been in a grip of fear of what's this virus going to do? What's this mean for us? I have a good friend who lost his job during this. Several friends who have lost their job and are still without work. And to be honest with you, and, and certainly understand this for them, they have been so fearful of what's next. How will I ever provide for my family? And so if you're in that position today, you're saying, man, I am. It's been a rough, rough few months. Let me tell you, this message this morning is for you. It's for all of us, but some of us have been had a difficult time the last few months. And we might say, man, fix your eyes on Jesus. Fix your eyes on him. This morning as I thought really this week I was thinking about this again about when I first came to know Christ and I remember those days of when I was introduced to him as a little boy and um, just the excitement that I had of just being introduced to him it led me I love the book of Luke and so Luke chapter 5 we're not going to read it but you could go back and read it later but Luke chapter 5 is about um, when, when Simon Peter is is when he begins to follow Jesus in a relationship with him and um, he'd been out fishing with the others all night long, didn't catch anything. And then there's a big crowd of people that Jesus is trying to teach. He says, there's two boats here, so let's go out and let me go out and, and can I use your boats to go out and teach? And so he goes and teaches all the people from the boat, sitting in the boat. And then after that, he's like, hey, you didn't catch anything. Let's go out. I want, I want, let's try this again. And Peter and the guys are all worn out, surely been fishing all night. Like, man, this is a waste of time. Why do this? And then they go out, and sure enough, you know the story. Jesus says, cast your nets a little bit deeper, and they goes deeper, and then they cannot hold the amount of fish that comes in because of what Jesus had done. He had brought the fish to them. And it was in that moment that Simon Peter said, 
this is the Messiah. This is the one. This is the one we've all been waiting for. I'm going to follow you with my life. And you know this, I don't have time to go through this, but this week I look back at all the disciples and how after Jesus was gone and he went back to heaven, how they all died. You should do that exercise and just go look. Peter was one who was crucified upside down because he didn't feel like he was worthy of being crucified in the same way as Jesus. The one who said, I'm going to give my life because you gave your life to me. So this morning, as you think about this scripture, I want you to think back and go back if you know Christ. Back to that point when you first were introduced to him and you began that relationship with him. And you first discovered his great love for you. You know, you hear that phrase, well, God loves you. I mean, that can be something we just kind of skip over. We glance over. Let me tell you something. He loves you deeply. And I want you to hear this, that you would trust in his limitless love for you. It's without limits. It's without limits. Love, the definition of love is this, strong affection for another, warm attachment, enthusiasm or devotion, the object of attachment, devotion or admiration. Psalm 139, I heard a message this week from Psalm 139 in verses 13 and 14 says this, for you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. He took time. He took precious time to make you, specifically you. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. Fearfully and wonderfully made are you. Romans 8, 37, it says this, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels or rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in who? Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrated. He showed us how much he loved you by giving his life for us, right? Romans 5, 8. Ephesians 2, 4, and 5. But God being rich in mercy, rich in mercy, giving us, uh, not giving us what we really did deserve, right? Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses. And then John 3, 16, I remember this as a kid, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. And here's what I like to do, is I like to put my name there instead of, instead of the world. You place your name there. For God so loved Kent, that he gave his only son, that if Kent would believe in him, Kent would not perish, but he would give Kent eternal life. You put your name there. And let that soak in that he gave his life for you so that you would know him. That you would know him and be changed and transformed by him. So trusting in the love of God. I can talk for so much longer. give you a lot of more scriptures on the love of God. But to be overwhelmed. There's a song by Mercy Me. And it's the hymn they redid. But it's called The Love of God. And if you go through that whole um, song and just listen and let it just speak to your heart of the love of God, how measureless it is that he loves you the way you are and he has not forgotten you or where you are in your situation. He has not forgotten you. And once we get a grip of that, of his love for us, the second thing, I, this is such a big thing for me in my life, looking back through all the years, is that if I can trust in the absolute or in the limitless love of God, I can trust in the absolute sovereignty of God. I can trust in his sovereignty. There's absolutely nothing that happens in this universe. Nothing that is outside of God's influence and authority. He's king of kings and lord of lords. He's over every president or dictator or any governing body. He is over all of them. 
consider just a few of the claims in the Bible. I've, I've written some of these down. I want to read them to you. And Isaiah 46, 9 and 10 says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I'm God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. The end from the beginning. From ancient times. Things not yet done. He's claimed them. Declaring the end from the beginning before it ever happens. My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purposes. Ephesians 1.11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Proverbs 16.33. I love this. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. Colossians 1. I love that whole passage on the supremacy of Christ. But verse 16 and 17 says this. For by him, by him, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. Revelation 21, 6 says, God is above all things and before all things. He is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. All you just keep going and going. God knows in Romans chapter 11, God knows all things past, present, and future. There's no limit to his knowledge, none. He knows everything. God knows everything completely before it ever happens. Jeremiah 32 is another one. God can do all things and accomplish all things. Nothing is too difficult for him. He orchestrates, he determines our lives before they ever happen. In my life, in America, he determines all that. He orchestrates all this and throughout the world. Whatever he wants to do, he does. You look at the story of Joseph in the Bible. I looked at this last week. It's my favorite story in all the Bible except for Jesus. That He was doing all the right things and then he was sold into slavery. And he basically, God went silent for 13 years. And at the end of the 13 years, God exalts him. And I know that he would say, look at the sovereignty of God throughout his life. That when he didn't know God was even present and wonder where God had been because of all that had happened to him. He would look back and see that God's hand was involved in the whole thing. He said what man intended for evil, God intended for good. Even in the 13 years of silence, God was working and moving in his life. And we can trust in the same thing. That is what being sovereign means. It means being the ultimate source of all power, authority, and everything that exists. Only God can make those claims. Only our God can make those claims. And because of that truth, it's God's sovereignty that makes him superior to all other gods. He is the one. He is the one. And so this morning, as we focus on Christ, no matter where you find yourself, whether you're worn out, whether you have just, you're done, you just want to check it in and be done. Be done parenting, like, oh, just worn out from parenting or worn out with looking for a job or the uncertainty of what is to come in the days ahead. That we can go back to this verse and say, God, just as you say in Hebrews chapter 12, that I am to fix my eyes on Jesus. He's the one who came up with this whole thing. He puts the, the big massive bow on it and you're the reason we exist. I'm going to fix my eyes on you and I'm going to trust in your limitless, unlimited love for me. For me specifically, you know what's going on in my life. And I'm going to trust in your absolute sovereignty that, God, you are in complete and total control. Complete and total control. I hope this morning, this, this passage of Scripture would speak to your heart. That if you're like me on that boat that day and you got so far off and you drifted, you didn't even realize it. And your walk with Christ has grown so stale. 
and you've drifted from Him and the uncertainty of what life is to come or what it's going to look like the next several months or the next year or God, what are you going to do in my kid's life? or what, Why are you not paying attention to this, God, this problem in my own life? What, what's going on? You can trust that God is a sovereign God, that He is on the throne and He has not forgotten about you, that He is involved in every detail of your life, every single detail. And He loves you with a love that has no limits. No limits. My mother used to tell me as a kid, she would say to me, even as an adult, before I had children, she'd say, you have no idea how much I love you. And I remember just before she passed away, as she was on her, on her bed before she passed away, I said, Mom, I think I get it. I think I understand finally how much you love me because I have kids of my own. And it wasn't until then that I discovered that's the kind of love she was talking about. And yet our God who gave his life for us. You may have forgotten, or you may think that he's forgotten you, or that he's not paying attention to you. I can promise you from his word that his love is without limits. And he loves you deeply, and he's sovereign, and he's in control of your life. And you can trust him. Yet this morning, this may be completely foreign to you. So I, mean, I don't even know Jesus. I'd love to have a conversation with you. You write in, text in that, uh, visit CCM. Uh, Kyle, you can mention it in a minute, the exact number. But you get in contact with us so that we know you reach out to us. We can share Jesus with you. You come to know him in a personal relationship. The rest of us, we already know Christ, I hope and trust. I hope and pray that this morning you would just look at Hebrews chapter 12. And may it be an encouragement to you to say, I've been drifting. This morning I've been reminded. I want to focus on you, Jesus. I want to focus on you. And remember, your love for me is so deep and you're in control and you can be trusted. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We can't say that enough. You say it with our words, but God, I, I, want, I want my life to, to show that, that I love you so much. I'd give my life for you. A love that's so divine as yours demands my life, my soul, my all. Does it? It does. So God, would you remind us even in this moment of your love, your sacrifice that you gave for us and your deep, deep love for us that really does, it demands and a natural reaction for us is to just say, here's my life. And so, God, we say that this morning. Here's our lives, Lord. Here's our life. Use it in whatever way you want, God. Help us to fix our eyes on you, Jesus. You're the author. You're the pioneer. You're the perfecter. You're the finisher. You're the completer of our faith. And we are so grateful, God. I am this morning so grateful that you saw me, an enemy of yours, and you still said that you wanted me. And you breathed life into me. And you opened my eyes. You gave me a life that's abundant, one that I know that I can trust in your love and trust in your sovereign plan, God. Draw us close to you, Lord. Don't let us drift. Help us to focus, 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 and fix our eyes on you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's Word at City Church Melissa. 
We meet Sundays at 10.30 a.m. at 2950 Cardinal Drive, and we'd love to meet you this coming week. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God and the good of the city.